Get ready for unique, rare, and little-known treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to the amazing world of radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to the amazing world of radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, we are continuing our series of The Whistler, The Lost Episodes. Today's episode is from June 23rd, 1955, and the title is The Cliffs of Wayram. The Whistler. Presented by the United States Air Forces in Europe. I am the Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Tonight, transcribed, it's the Whistler's strange story... The Cliffs of Wayrum. The early morning fog moved in and about the accident scene in swirling, misty patches. Beneath it, adding its own lonely rhythm of sound was the sea, the rugged coastline receding. The cliffs rose high above, dominating it all. But Paul Galvin and the sheriff were oblivious to the cliffs, the weather, and the sound of the sea. Their attentions were focused on the still limp form of the man who had been Mario Lovetti. Paul Galvin had made the discovery and sent for the sheriff. Hmm. Mario Lovetti. Never hear the name? No. No, he's a complete stranger to me. I'm sure he's a complete stranger to the village of Wayroom. That he'd come here to, well, to kill himself. Could have been an accident, I suppose. Mm hmm. Looks like he fell from a spot very close to your place. Well, Paul, was the elderly Mr. Galvin expecting anyone last night? Any visitors? Uncle Kern? No, not that I know of, Sheriff. Sure. I'll check with him later. Probably down at his boat now. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm going to see him. I'll tell him you'd like to talk to him. No, oh, fine. Kurt! Huh? Oh, Paul, come aboard. Thanks. What brings you down here? Oh, there's uh, been an accident. An accident? A man fell from the cliffs. Happened during the night. Uh, so? Too bad. Yes, isn't it? Not only for Mr. Lovetti. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, Uncle Kurt... Things are going to be run a little differently around the old homestead from now on. <laughs> Very differently, I should say. Oh? Yes, you see, I've wanted to take over the management of the Galvin interest for some time now. I'll handle my own money. <laughs> you think you're big enough to handle a job, do you? I was out on the cliff path last night. I saw who pushed Mario Lovetti over. Well? 
The sheriff wants to talk to you. I'll talk to him. But so will I. Unless... Unless I let you start running things, forget it, Paul. Mario Lovetti had the idea that he could change things, too. For both of us. I don't understand. Sit down, Paul. I think I've got a bit of a shock for you. Now, look, you're wasting your time, Kurt. We're going to have an understanding or I'll go to the police. Sit down. We'll have an understanding, a good one. Let me light my pipe. Yeah, this is quite a story. You know, this Mario Lovetti spent some time in Italy. So? He ran on to something very interesting over there. Never thought I'd have to tell you that you are uh, not Paul Gallup. What? No need to get excited, Paul. It's pretty simple. When my brother and his wife were killed in that auto accident over there... Now, look, that was 20 years ago. What's that going to do with... Listen, will you? I went over to bring young Paul home. I was to manage the estate till I thought he was old enough. I know all about that. But you don't know, and neither does anyone else, that young Paul died of fever at the tender age of four. This is ridiculous. Something you're inventing. Oh, I've proved. Don't worry. Proof that I picked you up and passed you off as my nephew. Oh, Oh, I don't believe it. Whether you do or not, it's true. You see, I never had much money of my own. Well, I didn't want to lose control of the estate. It's been a mighty comfortable arrangement for both of us. I'm not Paul Galvin. Not Paul Gallup. Your real name, if you're interested, is Angelo Cortesi. I believe your father was a well digger or something like that. Not Paul Gallup. That's why I had to get rid of Mario. That's why you killed him, shoved him off the cliff. Yes. He would have tried to change things, too. You're a wealthy man, Paul. But only as my nephew. Otherwise, you're... Yes. Nothing. You get the idea. <laughs> I give you enough, my boy. More than you could acquire any other way, unless, of course, you wanted to try working. Skip it, Kurt. Uncle. <laughs> now you're seeing the light, huh? And you won't go running to the police. Hardly. <laughs> of course not. And I'll go right on running things. Won't I, Paul? you're not Paul Galvin at all. You're really someone else he brought from Italy as a child, and no one knows. And now you can't say or do anything about it. And then one of the servants provides you with another shock. Oh, that's what I heard from Captain Dave. 
that this Mario Lavetti wasn't alone in the village the other evening. You say that someone saw him driving in a car? Yes, sir, with a woman. Sheriff's trying to find her. He believes she might shed some light on the mystery. Oh, it's no mystery. Man falls, uh, jumps from a high place. It happens every day. Hmm. Just thought you'd want to know about it, sir. Yes, Paul. You do want to know about it. And Kurt must be informed, too. And then you remember that he's away on one of his many trips. You wait impatiently for the end of the week and Kurt's return. And then hurry to the pier. Kurt's cruiser is tied up there. But when you get aboard, you find he's already gone ashore. And then, from inside the cabin, you happen to glance out a porthole, stare puzzled at a girl who's advancing along the pier towards you. You looking for somebody? Oh, oh no. I, I just saw this boat. She looks pretty. I like boats. Oh? Well, step aboard if you like. May I? Sure. Thank you. Why, she is a trim little craft. Yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, I'm vacationing down here. I rented a cottage in the village. Oh, nice. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Paul Calvin. I'm Eva Williams. You have that big house on the cliff, don't you? Why, yes. Oh, it's beautiful. And this is your boat? Uh, my uncle, Kurt Calvin. But how did you know I lived up there? The Galvin estate was pointed out to me. There was an accident several days ago, wasn't there? A man fell off the cliff. Yes, yes, he was a stranger. You, you didn't know him. N- know him? Well, why should I? Oh, no reason. Just that we don't have many visitors down here. And I don't understand that. I like it here very much. Oh? Mm-hmm. People are friendly. They ask other people on board their boats. <laughs> I could be... Friendly of madness, William. Eva. Eva. Yes, I, I'd like to show you about the place, such as it is. That perhaps tomorrow afternoon, if you'd care to have me drive into the village and meet you. Oh, I'd like that very much. You, uh, having a car yourself? No. No, I haven't. Well, I'll drive in about two. And you're staying... At the Shore Cottages, number five. Shore Cottages, number five. I'll be there. Eva. It's ridiculous, Paul. You worry too much. But one of the villagers saw Olvetti with a woman, Kurt. She was riding in a car with him. And she might know as much as he did. I know who gave that report. Old Captain Dave. He's got the usual imagination of the old salt. A few weeks back, he reported a flying saucer. Well, I thought you should know. I'm pleased you told me, Paul. Proves you're aware of the situation that we're together in this. Perhaps he's right about the mystery woman, Paul. Perhaps she exists only in old Captain Day's imagination. You meet Eva the next day. And in the days that follow, you find yourself spending more and more time with her. Late one evening after dinner, the two of you sit alone before the great fireplace at the inn, sipping your drinks, listening to the storm outside. 
You've uh, been rather quiet all evening. Something in your mind? Yes. Want to talk about it? Yes, I guess I do. You know, it's, it's funny how things work out just the way you expect it. I knew a long time ago, Paul, that it would happen this way. It has. What do you mean? Well, when the real thing came along, I'd know it in an instant. I knew it the day we met on the boat. Eva, what are you trying to say? That I'm in love with you, Paul. Oh, Eva, darling, I can't... Wait, Paul. There's something I've got to tell you. It's very important. My name isn't Wigan. It's Lovetti. Lovetti? Well, that man I found at the bottom of the cliff... He... He was my brother. I see. Then you... I was with him that night. He'd asked me to drive him down here. He got out of the car not far from your house. Told me to wait for him in the village. I waited all night. Next morning, I heard he'd been found at the cliff. Oh, an accident, of course. The path is rather treacherous. I don't I... think it was an accident, Paul. Oh? Mario was up to something. He wouldn't tell me what, but I had an idea that whatever it was, it wasn't very honest. One thing I do know. He was to meet a man named Galvin. He told you that? Yes. And then when I heard someone named Paul Galvin had found him, I began to wonder. Oh, now look here, Eva. You... Let me finish, Paul, please. That, that same morning I drove back to town to Mario's apartment. I didn't know what I was looking for, but... Well, it was a hunch. And that's when I found the letter. Letter? Addressed to Mario. The letter indicated that the writer was willing to pay a certain sum of money that a meeting was to be arranged. Mario was obviously blackmailing this man who signed the letter with the initial K. K. That could be Kurt, couldn't it, Paul? My uncle? Oh, really? You can't mean it. That's why I came back here to see him. Instead, I, I ran into you first. It happened to him. Just like that. Ava, look, I, I'm sure that Kurt had nothing to do with your brother's death, but that, well, that letter could make it look like he... Darling, please, look, you've got to destroy it. I'm afraid it's too late for that, Paul. What? Well, what do you mean? I mailed the letter to the sheriff's office this morning. You what? I'm sorry, Paul. I had to do it. As much as I love you, and knowing it could mean the end of everything for us, I had to do it. You leave, Eva, as soon as you can. Get in your car and drive up the narrow road to the house on the cliff. You realize there's still a slim chance the sheriff hasn't yet received the letter, don't you, Paul? As you reach the house, you find another car parked in the driveway. The sheriff's car, Paul. You're too late. And then as you get out of the car... Any idea where Kurt is, Paul? Uh, Kurt? Uh, well, isn't he home? Nope. Your housekeeper said he left this afternoon. Oh, oh, that's right. He, he did. Say where he was going? No. No, no, he didn't say. 
Why, Sheriff? Something important? Very important. Well, if you want to leave a message, I'd be glad to. Oh, I'll take care of it, personally. Good night. You remember now, don't you, Paul? Kurt told you he was driving into the city, having dinner with an old friend tonight. But you couldn't tell the sheriff that, could you? You hurry into the house and place a call to Kurt. Yes, Paul, what is it? You better get back here as soon as you can. Something's happened. Oh? The sheriff was here asking for you. What do you want? I can't tell you now. Look, I'll be waiting for you at the boat. You better hurry. Don't let anybody see you. A quarter of an hour later, you step aboard Kurt's boat, tied up at the end of the pier. Settle down in the darkened cabin to wait. Time drags. Midnight. There's no sign of Kurt. And one o'clock. Two. And the panic within you grows with each passing minute. Finally, you hurry ashore. And as you start down the pier, you see someone approaching. Kurt? That's you, Paul. Get some. Road's blocked off five miles back. Landslide. I had to take a detour. What's up? Look, the girl I told you about, Eva. She was Lovetti's sister. I see. She found a letter you'd written to Lovetti about the black gal and the meeting with him. How does she know I wrote that letter? I only signed my initial. She seems to figure that K stands for Kurt. Lovetti told her that he was meeting a man named Calvin. Oh. That's not good, is it, Paul? Got to get out of here now. Yeah, I suppose that would be the wise thing to do. Of course, you understand, Paul, it's when you take money. A lot of money to run, to keep running. I'll expect you to send me whatever amount I ask for from time to time. Yes, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. Yeah, yeah. Be sure you do. You wouldn't want me to get caught, would you? <laughs> yeah, come on, let's get aboard. You watch Kurt as he steps aboard the boat and disappears into the cabin. And you know that as long as he's alive, your secret is in danger. There's always the possibility he'll be caught someday. Reveal you as an imposter. And you don't want that, do you, Paul? You pull a gun out of your pocket. Kurt's gun. And as you do, a car comes to a stop under the streetlight at the far end of the pier. The sheriff's car, Paul. You drop to one knee behind a large packing case on the pier. Your mind spinning furiously. You've got to stop him. And you know what your next move must be. A move you're sure will solve all your problems and enable you to take over the Galvin estate immediately. The sheriff is halfway down the pier when you pull the trigger. As he crumbles on the pier, you whirl. Jump aboard the boat and rush into the cabin. What the devil was that? Who? Paul. What are you doing with that gun? You've just killed the sheriff, Uncle Kurt. And now you're going to commit suicide. What are you talking about, you fool? It's all very simple. The sheriff came to arrest you and you killed him. Then you turn the gun on yourself. Now, wait a minute, Paul. Don't...
later in the cabin of Kurt's boat as you run over your story for the sheriff's deputy. You're sure you're in the clear, aren't you, Paul? Certain that the deputy believes you. Yes. Kurt first tried to kill the sheriff, then turned the gun on himself, committed suicide. Couldn't face the charge of killing Mario Lovetti, shoving him off the cliff. Well, if that's all, I, I'd like to run along. Uh, just a minute, Paul. Afraid I'm going to have to ask you to come down to headquarters. What are you driving at? I'm pretty certain now that Kurt didn't fire that shot at the sheriff. And that he didn't commit suicide. But that's crazy. I tell you that he... Well, it was a pretty solid story you gave me, Paul. Except for one thing. You tell me your uncle was standing at the porthole. Fired a shot. Threw it right at the sheriff. Yes, yes. Yeah, now step over here, will you? Now, look, I don't know what you're going for. According to you, this all happened not more than ten minutes ago. That's right. Then take a look out the porthole. Well, sure, but I don't... You're looking right at the pilings of the pier. No. No, it can't be. This porthole is at least two feet below the surface of the pier. You didn't figure on the sea when you dreamed up your story, did you, Paul? The tide's been going out for the last three hours. Join us again next week when once again the United States Air Forces in Europe presents The Whistle. Sergeant Don Cormay speaking. Welcome back. Uh, a bit of a disappointing conclusion. The Best Whistler stories have a twist that's full of irony, and the protagonist getting his comeuppance often as a result of his own fault or character. Paul, on the other hand, as best I can tell, I think he was just an idiot. He didn't look out the porthole before making that a big feature of his story. Why did he even have to tell a story? I'm uncertain why he thought he needed to be at the scene of the crime. I mean, we're not really given a feel for the geography of this area, but it does seem like he could have left. And there was no particular reason why the police would be out there, necessarily. And even then, I kind of feel he could have at least pretended to be just arriving. So this feels a bit rushed and lacking in the general cleverness that we get from the Whistler. Well, we do have one more episode in this series, and we will bring it to you next Wednesday. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.